Welcome to Your Brand Amplified, the podcast where we interview marketers, publicists, and brands to learn their stories, what makes them tick, and tips and tricks that make a difference. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Your Brand Amplified. And I am Annika Jackson here with Shannon Peel. Shannon, you have very many appealing platforms (laughs) that you use um, to talk to people about brand strategy and a number of other things. So I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit and talk about your journey to becoming a brand strategist. Sure. Uh, as you said, my name is Shannon Peel. My company is called Market Appeal. I have a digital magazine called Appealing, which is filled with stories to help people find solutions to creating an appealing life, career, or business. Mm. I have a podcast myself called Brand Appeal, Brand Storytelling in the Digital Age. And I have a blog called Unpeeled. And yes, I do go overboard with the peel. I love it. <laughs> now my logo is even an apple peel. <laughs> but when you have a last name like peel, which is a noun and a verb, yeah. you use it. <laughs> Absolutely. Use what you got. So, so how did you get into brand strategy and storytelling? Well, it's really kind of a long, long convoluted way of getting there. So the short answer is... I brought together all my experience in sales, marketing, advertising, and started Market Appeal, basically thinking, oh, I'll get five clients and I'll just do some work for each one of them one day a week. And that just didn't happen. So I've been kind of struggling and floundering, figuring out where where my spot is. Where do I belong? And in the journey of finding my purpose, I realized story is Mm. what I'm about. Like I started writing novels when I turned 40. Mm. Um, Took me a while to actually sit down and write the novels. But it was all about story. And I I learned so much about myself. I saw my problems from different points of view. Because what I did uh, with my second novel Mm. was I was my life fell apart. And in that, I basically lost everything I was scared to lose. Oh, wow. Um, And it wasn't a good place to be. (laughs) Just Mm -hmm. that way. But while I was writing the book, 40 something, which I've changed to to called That's Life, I took five different women, kind of basically archetype type Mm -hmm. women, and wrote about what life is like for women in the 21st century mm-hmm. based on these archetypes mm. and discovered that I was all five archetypes and all the problems that I was going through, I put into the novel. I, I mean, to the extreme, but it helped me see my role in how I ended up where I ended up mm-hmm. and helped heal in order for me to find my way, which then. Uh, you know, by then I was already in marketing and had this company and thought, you know what, brand storytelling is really the the niche that I want to be in. Yeah. Now saying it as a niche is absolutely insane because there's so many parts to brand storytelling. It's like brand storytelling is the umbrella. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything underneath it is everything to do with getting your story, whether it's your personal story or your business story to connect with an audience and guide that customer from awareness right through to advocacy. And that's done with brand storytelling in today's world. Absolutely. I think even more and more during the pandemic, we saw that shift and we saw it helps people recognize how important storytelling is mm-hmm. because if people aren't able to get out in the world, you can only communicate with them digitally, you know, or in certain ways, or then you have to, really figure out and hone in on what your strategy is and who you are. Mm -hmm. And I, like you have had many ups and downs in my personal story and, you know, have been at the highest high and then had nothing. And I think it's really important as people, as women, for us to live in our authenticity Mm -hmm. and you sharing just, you know, a little bit with us is, is really helpful because that helps you figure out and hone in on who you are and who you wanted to be and 
how you could use your passion and skill set and purpose and help other people discover their brand stories. And, and that's just, in the world of PR, I always go back to what's your story before anything else. If you don't know what your story is, then we're not going to be able to, to help you. We're not really going to be able to sell it to the marketplace. And you're not going to know how to effectively tell it if you're talking to a journalist. But obviously, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Like I'm giving a presentation actually to a bunch of PR people at the end of the month. And we're talking, I'm talking about how to construct that brand story and make it a story so that your press releases actually get more traction so that your, what you ever do on social media gets more attention Mm -hmm. and has everything to do with how you say the story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then talking through exactly what you're saying is how do you then share it across different marketing channels? How do you show up on social media or in an interview or on your website? And they all need to be congruent, right? The thing that's happening in the digital realm with what with this uh, word of marketing and digital marketing is that there has been a complete blending of roles. Mm-hmm. Because in the analog world, public relations PR was a certain exactly revenue. There was a it had a certain box that it was put into, and it didn't do marketing. Yeah, but that's not the case today. Mm-hmm. People are brand storytellers, they're PR people, they're digital marketers, they're social media specialists, and they're all doing the same thing. Yeah. And I don't really think businesses understand that because they're all looking for the specialist. Yeah. And you go out and you say, and they ask you, what is it that you do? And you tell them, they're like, oh, because you're not fitting in that box that they need. This is. You they're are preaching to the choir. <laughs> no, they're looking for that web developer to plug in, but they're missing the bigger picture. Yeah, and that's why nothing is working because they they're looking for the specialist. They don't know what to do with the generalist and the strategist because they think they know what they need because they read some article somewhere, probably an article that I wrote or you wrote, <laughs> and they don't. They've missed something mm-hmm. in the whole concept of mapping out that digital footprint and making sure that the story doesn't have any gaps because what happens is your customer will maybe see you in brand awareness in the brand awareness phase and be you know see you for quite a while before they go to the next phase of your story and then they get on the you know they get around sorry they get to brand awareness and then they get on the on-ramp of the information highway and they start following the story. But now if your story comes up against the Grand Canyon and there's no bridge, mm-hmm. they can see what they want, but there's no way to get there. Because you've already established this is what you want, but you your story cut off. So they'll take the closest off ramp and go find it somewhere else. Yeah. So that happens when you don't map out the journey. When you don't have a good understanding of how the content digital footprint works together, let alone how it fits together. Yeah. And I think one other thing I've seen with brands is they just want to launch. They don't have that mapped out, like you're saying. And then you go out with their story and then they're like, oh, no, we're not ready. And or we've gotten this other information from an investor and we need another six months, a year of development. And we're like, but we just went out with your press release. We just got you these interviews. And now people are going to go to your website and they're not even going to see anything. There's no nothing. There's no action for them to take. Or people who um, had a client who didn't, couldn't make a decision about how they wanted to show up. And so we were like, okay, here's the map for some digital strategy. And here's the kind of, you know, here are the content pillars that map back to who you say you are. And they just almost froze um, and couldn't make decisions and move forward. And so, and it's the same issue. So I imagine that when you're working with clients and knowing that you have background in sales and marketing and all these different areas, and you can kind of pull them together to, to help them, you know, even take that step back and go, whoa, 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 you think you need this, but you're not quite ready. So. Yeah. It's not even that because what I do, what I'm really good at is 
asking the questions and guiding them mm-hmm. through the process so that they get to the point where they can make that decision. Yeah. Um, because I have the sales experience. I have that marketing experience. I have the longer term uh, experience. So as a generalist with a very varied background in multiple mm-hmm. different industries, I mean, I've sold everything from cars, financial products, advertising, oil pipe, oh contracts. <laughs> um, you know, I've worked in the real estate industry, not selling real estate, but as a marketer, I have done a lot of different things in my life. And that enables me to really understand what a business owner needs to say, mm-hmm. who their customer really is. Yeah. And what story are they supposed to be telling? Then it's all a matter of, asking the questions in a way that guides them mm-hmm. to the answer. Instead of trying to say, you need this, you need this, you need this. And I add them up. Trust me, I, I still mm-hmm. do that. My, I look at my emails and go, oh my gosh, that's just way too much information. But that's, there's that much information on my website. <laughs> one thing. Uh, so trust me, nobody should tell their own story, including me. <laughs> just so the world knows. It's like the cobbler with no shoes. No, actually, uh, but it does come down to helping them understand what are your core values. What does that really mean? Yeah, you just give me a bunch of buzzwords. We're exactly. going to look right at them, and if you can't tell me how you exemplify those those things in the real world, mm-hmm. you've got you think that your values are not your values. Yeah, so let's look at this a bit more. So I dive really deep with people. Yeah, that's really and important. We build up the strategy from yeah. there. Yeah. What's um, if you don't mind, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you to if you want to share a couple of examples of somebody that you worked with that they thought they were knew they knew what direction they wanted to go in, and you were able to completely have them realize, oh wait, that's not who we really are. We're really over here and find success. Um, yeah. You know, aha moments. Yeah, so I do work with one business coach uh, who I basically, he doesn't even have, he doesn't even look at any of the work that I put out there now. He's just like, (laughs) don't put it out there. Because he was trying to explain to me what he wanted or who he was and what he did. And I would just keep, I would go, oh, so you mean this? And I would tell, yeah, you get it. You get it. You get it. Just go do it. <laughs> but the problem with that, of course, is that there is a, sometimes there is a disconnect mm. between what I'm putting out there and what he is able to communicate. I mean, this is he, it is a service that he does. Those are values that he believes in. I have the story, but his ability to communicate mm. is different than my ability to communicate. Yes. So there's sometimes a disconnect in that way. Uh, it's always important for everyone, every business owner to participate in their social media. You can um, contract out the advertising piece. Mm. So I should be the person creating content for your person to put out there about things that you do, just the, the filler stuff, right? Quotes, um, things about your values, like really that kind of stuff. But you should still be on social media posting and engaging. The big thing is, is engaging. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're engaging on posts that strategically. And this is another thing I help people with. is just strategically figure out how to spend their time on social media. Oh, so yeah. It's not on there for hours and getting nowhere. So it's, it's a lot of work in <laughs> figuring out what people want. But if you figure it out and you understand who you are, what your message is supposed to be, and the one thing that you want to be known for, mm-hmm. then you go out and you communicate that one thing that you want to be known for in the right manner based on where the customer is on their journey. Yes. Right? Yeah. You know, social media is brand awareness. But people try to sell on social media. And then they say it doesn't work. Yeah, because <laughs> you've got the Grand Canyon between you, your customer's brand awareness, and your product. There's a huge gap in your story. Because you didn't build it out right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what continues to inspire and motivate you to do this work and also be a novelist? 
How many books do you have now? I know those are like, I'm throwing a lot of questions out. Oh, I, know, but- <laughs> I only have two. I only have two. And I actually un- I unpublished both of them because I was just so busy. I couldn't uh, give them credit. I mean, there's another one out there somewhere that I didn't, um, which was my uh, re- rebuttal to Fifty Shades of Grey oh. in a story showing that that is a damaging it's a damaging thing and it's not it's not mm-hmm. horrified um yeah I mean you can play but what they are talking about like the whole thing is is it's damaging and that you know it's that was just my rebuttal piece and it's still out there somewhere I'm not sure where but um the other ones I've taken off about Amazon and I'm going to be repackaging that's life mm-hmm. as a digital book with multimedia components where you get the story and then after the chapter you're actually diving deep into those issues that I that these women in these characters are facing and women in today's world are facing and diving deep into your life in order to figure out solutions for your life and that's my big pie in the sky project that's sitting right here going are you you supposed to be doing me (laughs) Uh, while I try to build market though because I have moved away from client work Hmm. um, or daily client work I mean I'll do strategy um and I do coaching now but I don't do the posting or the creation of content what I've moved into is creating a platform a multimedia platform where I tell brand stories to the marketplace so it's a community where people can come in order to find the solutions to their problems and create an appealing life, career, or business. It's a place where thought leaders and professionals can come to showcase their work, create a body of work on a third-party site for credibility, and connect with their audiences and the community in general on a closer, deeper level without the noise of social media. And that's what I'm trying to build right now. And that's where my focus is. and when you're building something, of course, it takes time. Mm-hmm. So. Wonderful. But so what took you from doing the day-to-day work to realizing, oh, I actually need to, this is actually what my mission is. And I need to create this multimedia kind of universe that will be even more impactful for these entrepreneurs and business people. Well, I was always building it. It's just, I thought I had to pay the bills too. But client work just kept overpowering and taking too much of my time. And uh, I wasn't getting my stuff done. And then in the end, I was having to chase some of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And others were just wasting my time with their dreams and not really wanting to support me in mine. So I decided, you know what? That's not what I'm signed up for. Um, my purpose in life is to create this platform. I've always wanted to create it. I've wanted to create it since 2007, but things have constantly gone in my way. Demands of other people have constantly gone in my way. And the quote when COVID did was it removed the demands of those, those people making demands on me and gave me the focus for my business and what I want in life. And I've just been building that. And for the last year and a half, I've been very focused on that. Wonderful. I mean, and it's finally coming to a point where now I can say, okay, I've figured everything out. I'm bringing all the pieces together. I've got my first membership and it's free. Like the first level of membership is free. And it's that piece is being built out right now. And then the next level of membership where actually it becomes a monthly payment thing will be built out right afterwards. So I'm finally getting to the point where it's like, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> I just now I'm building my own name for myself and stuff like that. Awesome. That's wonderful. Um, so what are some of the other challenges that you see when people are trying to figure out how they're going to show up? Mainly people don't know who they are. Mm. They want to show up in the way that they think they should show up. They live in this land of should, as I call it. Ah, yeah. And it doesn't work. And a lot of times we think we're one person, but our behaviors 
tell us that we're another person people. I mean, I have a I have one client who told me integrity was her number one, you know, her number one value was integrity. She was always late for meetings. She would schedule me, say, hey, meet me at this coffee shop in half an hour and then not show up. Oh. Um, just all over the map, all the time. And it's like, you know what? You're you want to be known for integrity, but you don't have the behavior. So it's not your value. No. That's okay. It's okay that integrity is not your value. It's okay if you're late for meetings. It's okay if you don't show up, right? But you have to communicate mm. that this is what I'm that you want. Why you want to know me is because of this. This is what I am, and this is what I'm about. And you will find people who go, okay, well, late for me, but that's okay because I know that this is what I'm here for. Is this mm. other thing? Uh, I mean, it's not good to be late for meetings, folks. It's not. Good. Yes, it's not. <laughs> to be honest, but you know, if you're saying that that, that is your integrity, and that's yeah, being integrity. That's the difference. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, that's a very big differential. Of I'm 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 full of integrity, but I'm never going to show up on time, and I'm never I'm not valuing you mm-hmm. and your time with my actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't buy my time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. No, but that you know that was just before COVID and, and all the struggles I had trying to um, deal with certain things. But you know, when we are on our own purpose mission, mm-hmm. when we are on the path that we were meant to be on, even if you're not getting paid, you will still do the work. You will wake up, you will keep at it because you know that this is what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. It gives you a bigger sense of joy and fulfillment than going to something that doesn't, you know, that you're not passionate about. That doesn't, that doesn't have that sense of like, yes, this is who I am. This is where I'm supposed to be in the world. And you will sacrifice, you will sacrifice everything for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even go work at, I mean, if you have to pay the bills and you're out of money, then you'll go work somewhere that you're not happy for a few days of the week so that you can come back and do what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Now, that said, your purpose isn't always in your business. Your purpose isn't always in your work. You know, my when I look at my brother and my sister-in-law, they have amazing jobs that are very well paid and they're going to, they're set for life because they both work unions and they have one kid that they had late in life. <laughs> And they live in like Whistler of all places. Um, they're really doing well. But as I told my daughter, that's not their passion. Their passion isn't what they do for a living. They're, they work so that they can go and do their passion on their day off. So sometimes your passion and what you're supposed to be doing your purpose is in your hobbies or in your family or in your day-to-day personal life. And other times they're in your work life. I mean, I work all the time. My purpose is so big right now that it's great that my kids are 20 something, like in their <laughs> university age and don't want anything to do with mom. <laughs> I wouldn't have time for them. <laughs> you know, they it's so you. That's what another thing what it comes down to. One of these things that I, I really get frustrated with is, you know, you were probably brought up the same way I was brought up. At a time when we were, little girls were told they could be anything they wanted and they could have it all. Mm. They could be moms. They could be executives. They could be everything all at once. Yeah. And nobody gave us the roadmap because nobody had ever done it before. And then we were expected to learn how to do it and just do it. Because this torch has been passed to us by women who have sacrificed so much for us to have what we have. And the reality is, is yes, you can have it all, but just not all at the same time. Exactly. There, there's no such thing as balance. There's always mm-hmm. a give and take, an ebb and flow. Yeah. You have to figure out, and I don't know if you have younger listeners, but uh, if you do, there's one thing that I've told my daughter and my Emma son is figure out what is important to you first. Mm. And this is what I, I mean. I really should have stuck with it. Not with, I knew what was important to me first, mm-hmm. but I allowed other things to influence me. Yeah. 
do not do that. Make sure that you know, like if a career is important to you, if having a good income is important to you, if being an executive is important to you, or being a business owner is important to you, go and do that first. Yeah. Just make sure that you do it before you're 35. <laughs> then you can think about having a family. Um, <laughs> And getting, and getting the other piece, because by then you'll have the money to hire somebody for help. You'll be able to hire, you know, people at work to delegate to you'll. And if you then decide, okay, well, you know what, I've done the, the, the exact thing. I've done this thing. Now I'm talk, I can focus on my family. You can't, you will be able to, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I did focus on my family. I did, I did fine focusing on my kids when, when they were little and growing up. Um, it's just that I'm struggling now in my, you know, my late forties going, Oh my goodness, it would have been a lot easier had I done all this struggling in my Mm twenties and then had what was well set up in order to do, to do that sort of better set up than I I was. And I was set up, I was pretty good, pretty well set up to be able to do this, but yeah, no, it's just know yourself. And that, I think that's the biggest problem with personal brands and business brands Mm -hmm is there's a disconnect between the message that they're giving out and the real message of who they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really apparent in personal brands as to the, okay, all you gotta do is know yourself better. Go and do that. But in businesses, it's a little bit harder because you have a executive team that sits down and says, okay, this is our values. This is our mission statement. This is our vision statement. This is what we're about. And they don't really understand what it is that they've said. They mm. think they understand. They think they get it, but they really don't because unless they can verbalize and tell a story of exemplifying those values throughout the organization and what that looks like for every single person in the organization, and then tells everyone in the organization that this is our value and this is what it looks like. So when you get this problem, this is what we expect you to do. And then every decision that you make after that is measured against those values to ensure that you can still be of those values and exemplify those values. And if this new thing that you're doing doesn't, you have to really question why you're doing it. And if you're doing it, that is probably your value, your real value. And maybe you should be looking at the real value. Maybe your real value is to be lean, but you said that your value is to give your employees a lot of it and to add extras to your to your company for customers and extra perks to your employees. But when rubber hits the road, you want to pull all that back. You want to lay people off um, because you want to get that balance sheet even more balanced because you want the investor to be happy mm-hmm. guess where your value really is yeah and it's okay for your value to be there right but yes. you just have to be clear communicate it clearly so that you can set your company up to reflect that value well and i think you made some really important points here that everybody in your team on your team or in your company needs to understand what the value is what you're doing differently, what you're bringing into the world, you know, what that impact is or what your company is trying to do. And if, if, there, if one person gets the message wrong and is talking about the company to somebody, you know, you can lose a customer or you can have all this other information out there. That's really not who you are, who you're trying to be. Mm-hmm. And it can cause damage to your business. Well, we talk a lot about culture. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk a lot about culture when they're hiring, and I went through a long, extended hiring process, failed hiring process, of trying to get work, and I saw it firsthand the questions that were being asked in order to try and figure out the value system. Mm. But if the because you want your value system of the corporation to match the value system of the person that you're hiring. Mm-hmm. But it's not clear, right? If you're not able to say, look, we want to know who you are 
And we're just going to have this great conversation to uncover these values and see if you exemplify them in your behavior and how you exemplify those behaviors um, for those value systems. Because a lot of time, the questions, although they are behavioral, are not structured in a way. It's 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 odd. It, it, it's odd. It's the whole hiring system, in my opinion, is broken. Oh, hundred percent. I I I have had many experiences like you where. Um... I'm like, I've done sales, I've done marketing, I've done PR, I've done experiential, I've done all these different things. And it makes it harder to pigeonhole me into a one role. And I, I've had the same issues sometimes of like, oh, where I'm like, am I, you know, I go back and forth being, being an entrepreneur, working for a company. And I think on the other side is when you have a match with a company where when you're meeting with people and you're interviewing and their personal values match your personal values, but that isn't necessarily reflected in the company. Mm-hmm. And it might be where they want to go, but it's almost selling you a false promise of, yes, we believe in the same things. And then you get into the company and you're like, wait, this is not what you told me it was. And things change pretty quickly. And it, 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 causes, it can cause a lot of issues too, because then you're left feeling like, why did I leave what I was doing and join this company because I thought, oh, I'm going to get a steady paycheck. I might get benefits. I'm going to get all these things. But if it's not, if it doesn't match, right, your value system and who you are and who you want to be and how you want to show up, if that's important to you in your work life, then... (laughs) I can give a quick example because I got an offer, a job offer in April and talked to the guy and talked to his VP and they were nice people. Like they seemed nice. And he seemed like this really relaxed, fun guy. My first day on the job was I had brought this, this company idea to that, like this service, this vendor, and they made an appointment with him on my first day. So I show up at the thing and the guy, my new boss is a totally different person. Totally different. Like it's it's like I woke up and wow somebody else. Oh my gosh. He was short, he was rude, he was distracted, oh. he was um yeah, it was just like what? Like he, he had this ang all like this I'm more important than you type attitude. And then we had a meeting, me and him later on, and it was the same thing. I just had this feeling. Oh, wow. Well, and, and, you know, I, I think a lot of it comes, I know I cannot work for constructive people. I know I cannot have yeah, these people in my life because I was in a marriage with someone like that who, Oof. you know, um, you know, scared me and the kids on a regular basis. So my reaction to his aggression caused issues in the fact that I wasn't able to there was, I was able to communicate. Yeah. So I sent him a, I mean, this isn't a client, right? Right. We're trying to get an idea around what he wants. So I sent him a concept, like here's a concept of an email, like kind of idea mm-hmm. with how it would be laid out and everything, but it's not perfect. It's, I know that there's mistakes in it graphically. It's an idea for us to then sit down and talk about piece by right. piece. He looks at, he opens it up, looks at it and goes, oh my God, you're an amateur. And I'm like, what? And then he starts berating me. Wow. I'm paying you big bucks. So what do I do? I stop communicating. I don't even tell him that that is just a first draft for us to have a conversation about. And I know that it's not perfect because I didn't make it perfect. I didn't take the extra time and effort that it would take to make it perfect. Yeah. We're not at that point yet in the process. And then the next day, I'm trying to talk to one of the people that he meets, he works with, and I'm going through, I'm trying to get the process. What's the process? And they're they're like deer in headlights. And then he comes in the room because he can hear me asking questions about how to communicate with him. And he starts yelling at me. And I'm like, what the hell? Well, then the more I got to know about him, the more I realized our personal values mm-hmm. so mismatched mm. the people that he admired were the people i totally did not admire the things that he wanted out of life were total things i did not want out of life so it really does matter if you are going to be able to work with somebody 
that you are on the same wavelength with your value system personally, Mm -hmm. but also with the business. Yeah. So if you're working for someone like Amazon, because you think it's a great, you know, Amazon is a big name, but you don't agree with people being forced to work in bad conditions. Right. (laughs) You're going to have a problem working with Amazon. Yeah. But if you don't care and you just want to be in management and learn from them and understand how this works, because it's not everybody in the company that's treated badly. It's just the people at the very bottom. And if you don't care about the people at the very bottom, then you're going to be okay in that business because your values may align because, you know, Jeff Bezos was just really hyper-focused on creating an everything store. Yeah. And if you admire him and you think, hey, yeah, you know what? I want to know how to do that. You're going to be just fine. But if you don't admire him, you're not going to be good. No matter how good the money is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the same with brands. Yeah. When you're telling your brand story to clients, like I used to work for an online review site and I would get calls at seven in the morning. Shannon, I got a bad review. I had like 300 clients. So it was oh my gosh. Care of, right? I have a bad review. It's, I need you to pull it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you realize bad review is not a bad thing. Bad reviews are a good thing. One, they tell the world that this isn't a fake profile because you caught some bad reviews in there. So it makes the other ones look like they're real too. Two, it lets people know what, because you're going to respond and you're going to let people know how you tried to fix it. Yeah. That you're sorry that it wasn't enough, but there's only so much you can do. Now people know that things are going to go wrong. So they just want to know that you're going to show up and try to fix it. But they don't expect you to bend over backwards. And they do also know that there are people out there that are crazy (laughs) and want luxury five-star service for one-star prices. Right. You know? So the other piece of that is in the past, we always knew that a bad, bad, uh, sorry, somebody that had a bad experience would go up and talk to a few people. Yeah. That experience, they would tell maybe two. And we were never at that table when they were telling about the bad experience. We didn't know what they were saying. Well, now you know what they're saying. You know what went wrong. You know what to fix, which you didn't know before. And now you can take 10 of your buddies, which are your mm-hmm. good review, happy clients, and bury that bad review with some happy, good reviews showing if you do it right, you write. You ask for reviews using a three-question system where you're getting the beginning, the middle, and the end of the story, and you are asking them to focus on certain aspects of your service. You can then show, yeah, that might have happened with this guy, but look at what we did for these people. And people will say, oh, yes, because when they're reading reviews, they're looking to see if your business and your service is going to provide them with what they're looking for. And if in those stories they find out, oh, guess what? No, oh, that's a bad review. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't want that to happen. Oh, yeah, no, this isn't good. Now, before you say Shannon, I don't lose potential clients. Uh Yes, you do. You want to lose the potential clients that are going to give you a headache, who are going to hold you hostage with the idea of getting a bad review. And the ones that just don't align with your value system because you don't need that. One client like that will take up time of like what four or five clients mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and cost you money yeah so bad reviews weed them out yeah that's good i like that it helps weed out the people you don't want to work with and it also helps other people see how you're going to respond in a situation that isn't favorable mm-hmm. so are you taking is it something that was your fault or your company you know and you resolve it right away, you fix the problem so that it doesn't happen again? Or is it, like you said, just somebody who was having a bad day or whatever, and they are an anomaly in your reviews? Um, But they counterbalance, yeah. So those are all really important things. And I completely agree. Like, It's so difficult when you do get that client who you think is going to be a good client, and then um, they are really difficult and they think, you know, I mean, with an author, it could be somebody who thinks they need, they're going to be a bestseller, but well, 
just sending out a few press releases and getting some interviews isn't going to do that. You have to have a whole strategy and you have to be doing the work too. It's, you know, there, there are so many instances. <laughs> I think we could probably um, share well, stories all day. <laughs> Let me tell you, because once again, there's a whole thing that you're talking about right there where all these people are running around saying, I'm a best-selling author. And I'm like, yeah. oh, you're a best-selling author. We're, we're like, you're on the New York list of best-selling authors. Oh, no, no, I go on Amazon. I'm like, oh, so for five minutes, you had a lot of people buy your book, yeah. the strategy that you took. Yeah. That negates the people that are actually really good bestsellers. Yeah. That makes the bestseller label worthless. Yeah. And I, I do not like the fact that Amazon allows it to happen. It, it turns it into a marketing okay. tool. Yeah. And as you said, like, I've seen that many, many, many times that people, I'm a best-selling author. I'm like, okay. And I go to Amazon. I'm like, wait, no, you're not. Because Shannon, as you said, they were for five minutes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's really interesting. And that's another thing to think about branding too, is, is that how you want your brand to be viewed by people who know that that's not really an authentic use of the word bestseller? Mm-hmm. Right? And how many of those have just bought something somebody else wrote with their name on it? Yeah. Now there's a difference between ghostwriting and having someone write it for you. Ghostwriting is you've actually been part of the process. These are your ideas. It's just you're hiring somebody to put the words together and you're taking the time to interview with them and you're taking the time to answer their questions. And a good ghostwriter will sit down and transcribe it and write it in your voice. You will read it. You will edit it. You will fix those problems. So I have people I've worked with that I've done that for. And it's like, yes. And then I publish their book and it's, it's all good. But there are people out there who will just go, go write me a book. Can you write me a book on this? And then I'll put my mouth like, no, like then it's my book. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what are some other things that people need to keep in mind when they're thinking about personal branding? Or they're, you know, are they coming up with a new business? Okay, they- well, the difference between personal branding and business branding yeah. is there is a difference, right? One, um, you know, personal brand is about one person, business brand is about a business. But how you tell the story. So when I write a novel, I write in the first person and the third person. Mm. Either writing uh, the omniscient third person, he, him, her, hit, she. Or I'm writing them in the first person. The different, you, and as personal brand, you're writing in the first person. Mm-hmm. So a good personal brand would have you on the stage telling your story and the audience member right beside you, on the stage with you, experiencing your story with you. That's a good personal brand. A business brand is different because now the audience is not on the stage with you. The audience is in the audience. They are the heroes of the story, not you. Well, before personal brand, you're the hero. But with a business brand, the customer is the hero. The audience are the heroes. And they're the ones that are in the audience. And they're sitting in the seats because they can see more of the story mm-hmm. than you can. And as a storyteller, you're standing on the stage telling a story that they have to experience utilizing their own experiences and assumptions and how they see the world yeah so a good brand storyteller will stand up on that stage and guide every one of those audience members through their own unique version of the story so there may be a hundred people out in there out in the audience the story is the same but the details, the path, what each audience member sees is yeah. different. So you have a hundred different stories that are being experienced by the brand storyteller. Not many people can do that well. This is true. And there is, I have an example of um, a brand that I was working with. They were com- came out with a new cleaning product. And it was um, husband and wife, doctor, you know, nurse. They're, they have little girls and they created this product because, based on an experience that they had. Mm-hmm. And 
yes, it was their personal experience, but it's not their personal brand, right? But it is very much part of the brand of why they created the product. And it's something that I was encouraging them to use more of um, because that way, like you said, like in an audience of parents or caregivers, each person could relate to that story that they're going to share. But they have... Like I said, the, the, there's two ways of telling that story. Because yeah. you have the origin story, which yeah. the brand origin story where they're talking in the first person as yeah. to why they created this product and why they created this brand. A good brand storyteller is going to utilize the second person in order to get the audience to understand the problem that they have mm-hmm. is the same problem that these people had exactly. without actually using the word I or making it about the people that made the brand. It's all about people in the audience by utilizing the word you. It's a very hard to tell you story. It is very hard to tell. And I think a lot of times it's hard for brands to understand how to translate one to the other. Oh, here, I'll give you an example. I want to bring people along. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, just close your eyes for a second. <laughs> Everybody close your eyes for a second. Now, unless you're driving, do not close your eyes. <laughs> I just want to make sure no one does that. So, you know, it is hot. You are just roasting. You're roasting. It's so hot out. The air is stagnant. You feel like you're in an oven. You look around and you can see the heat waves coming off the ground. Feel the sweat pouring off your face and dripping. You're just so hot. Tongue is stuck to the roof of your mouth. You're so thirsty. You're dying of thirst. You've never been this thirsty. You move your tongue around trying to get that icky taste. You just want something to drink to get. You're just that thirsty. You have something to drink. You reach out, grab it, hold that. Now look at it. What's the brand that you see in your hand right now? Can open your eyes. <laughs> what brand do you see? I actually didn't see a brand. I just saw a type of drink. Lemonade. 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 That's a brand. It's not doesn't business. Brands don't have to be a business. Brands, can, you're like, let's say for me, it's water, tap water. Mm. I mean, it's probably did a really good job. I <laughs> go to. Basically, a brand is your go to. Your go-to is lemonade. Where were you in the heat? Mm. I was picturing myself in Thailand visiting my mom. See? Everybody has their own experience and their own yeah. story. And your story is going to be very different than mine. It's going to be very different than anybody else's. Yeah. Now, a brand would put their brand on there. Like, you reach out, you look at it, and there's the Coca-Cola or whatever. Right. <laughs> Like that's the way it goes. But I wanted to know, I've only got two seconds to do this. And the other thing is, I wanted to know what brand had already made their go-to drink for you. Yeah. But that's how you do it. You really just, they're indices. I only use two indices in this case. Hmm. One indice was the heat. Mm-hmm. And the other indice was thirst. Yeah. You filled in every other indice. Yeah. With all those details. Now, if I wanted to talk to a narrower audience, I would add indices. Right. Because it would weed out those people that don't have that experience and don't identify with that. Because now I want people that only go to the beach. Well, I'm going to talk about their feet on the sand and the <laughs> water looking so cool. Um you know, you decide who you want to experience the story. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay, so you have these great platforms for people to participate in. What is the easiest way for them to find you, to, you know, research, to look at all of the great things, get other people's brand stories, and then perhaps contribute? Well, first off, you can Google me, Shannon Peel. I nominate probably six, seven pages. (laughs) It's great. You know, not only do I have a verb and a noun for last name, not many people have my name. There is an artist out there, and this workbook's pretty cool. And it is me, but that is not me. Um, 
The other thing is to go to marketappeal.com. And if you go to marketappeal.com, you're going to notice it's a photo with all these buttons, which is a no-do on website. So every website developer out there, I know. But basically, you can go there. You can see it. It's all these different buttons. And if you want to go to the blog, uh, if you want to go to the blog, it's underneath the keyboard. If you want to go to appealing, there's the oh, the uh, cover right there. If you want to go to the podcast, well, there's some earbuds and <laughs> right over there it says podcast. Uh, but if you want to really dive in and be a part of the Market Appeal community, you can get membership and that's underneath the leather journal and you become a member it's free you go to marketing field membership it gives you a e-newsletter especially newsletter you'll get two newsletters one tells you what the new stuff is that week but the other one is more diving deeper into a topic a subject and helping you guide you through it in order to get you to do the work mm-hmm. to for that piece of your brand strategy your brand um, story you get access to the community, challenges, courses, uh, a bunch of other stuff as well throughout the website. And if you want, if you're a thought leader and you're trying to build your, you know, your presence, you want some credibility on a third-party site, email me, Shannon at Shannonpeel.com, and let's talk because if it is, it is an, uh, an application process to become a contributor on the site. But once you are a contributor on the site, you can write blog posts, which will be added to appealing magazines based on topic. Uh, you can co-host the blog uh, podcast. You can create challenges, uh, all sorts of things in order to create your credibility on a third-party site where someone else is doing the SEO for you <laughs> and promoting it on, and then everyone's promoting it on social media. And then yeah. we're working together to get that newsletter out. Awesome. Thanks. And then my last question is, do you have a favorite quote or mantra? Oh, get it done. <laughs> <laughs> Story of our lives. There's so many great quotes out there, but really what it comes down to is just get it done. Yeah. Just get it done. Awesome. Shannon, thank you so much for giving some really great tips on the difference between personal branding business branding, what you really need to look for, how you can espouse your values and, you know, your, what you want in a company. Um, but also how a company needs to really showcase who they are Mm -hmm. to all of their, not only their customers, but also to their employees, make sure Mm -hmm. that they're showing up, that they're really showing up authentically as, as who they want to be in the world. So really appreciate your time today and audience, hope you got some really great little tidbits out of this. Definitely go to Shannon's websites. I'll have them in the show notes and we'll be back again next week with your brand Amplified. Want more? Check out amplifywithannica.com or follow me on socials at amplifywithannica.com.